Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And do you like puzzles? Because today John gives us a few extra pieces to the puzzle around who Jesus is. So stay tuned for that. Well, welcome back. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Lucas. Hey friends, I'm Marcus. And uh, today we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Uh, we like to take some time just to kind of be casual, let people get onto the stream, and yeah. we like to have some fun with it. So today, with the weather getting a little bit nicer, today we're recording and it's sunny out, it's yeah. beautiful. So we kind of wondered, what are your favorite spots? Because we all know that Powell River if you move to Powell River, to some degree, you have to kind of like the outdoors, yep. right? Like that's just a part of living in a region like this. Now, mm -hmm. if you're listening from somewhere other than Powell River, we'd love to hear from you too. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening outside of our region, what are some of the go-to places in your region that people just need to go there if they're in the neighborhood? Yeah, we'd love to know. Start a list of all the places that we can travel, that we can visit once we can travel again. Um, but yeah, there are probably lots of places like all across the province and country that, that are some like hidden gems. So Marcus and I are both dog owners. And yep. so because of that, we have to get out and get them exercise. And that means hitting the trails a lot. So Marcus, you're newer to town yeah. than I am, but what are some of your favorite spots? Yeah, I so like to become a Powell Riverite, I think you have to hike Tin Hat Mountain. It's like the one to hike. Um, but I wouldn't say that like the one that qualifies me to be a Powell Riverite is my favorite. Um, there was one time where we both went uh, and it was called Suicide Trails. Suicide Creek. Suicide Creek, close. Uh, Suicide Creek and we did that, uh, that walk and it was like really nice because there's like a really nice creek that you can go to. Um, you like are in really tall, like really lush forest. Um, and it kind of just reminded me of like other places around the world that I've traveled that I've loved. And so I got like a little piece of travel here in Powell River and it's just like kind of an enchanted forest that you get to walk through. And so I think for me, that's probably my favorite one. Right on. Um, for me, I love the kind of Duck Lake region. Mm -hmm. And so there's a few trails that I enjoy there. The one that stands out to me is, uh, I, th I think it's called Black Creek Trail. And it goes, to, it goes to Kelly Falls and it does a big loop. And it's just a beautiful trail. It's a little bit of an uphill and then a downhill and um, really enjoy that. Uh, I like the same one as you, but also Tin Hat. Tin Hat, if you want a, just a great view, and it's fairly accessible. Yeah. Um, that's a great trail too, so just love that. So with that said, now we're both, you know, comparatively to Not many like of you, fairly new, brand. yeah, fairly new to town. Let us know in the comments, what are some must-see mm -hmm. spots in Powell River? Now, there's one additional spot that I really enjoyed. Uh, when my first year here, went out quadding, and we went into the Eldred Valley, went to the, the climbing camp, yep. and the river just like, kind of just chewing a, a path mm. through the rock and the granite there, beautiful spot. So if you ever get a chance to get way out there, uh, it's quite a ways in, into the backcountry, but what a what a gorgeous little, little spot. Yeah, I feel like I need you guys, because I've kind of already found myself going to the same places over and over and over again. Um, and partially that's because uh, then I am more assured that I'm not gonna get lost. 
Um, but I feel like I've kind of been stuck in the same one. So I want to hear from you guys. I need your help. And, and maybe you're not big outdoors. Well, what are, what are some of your go-to mm. places? It might be a coffee spot or it might be a place to get a cinnamon bun. I don't know. It's like, a thing. It's just, a thing just let us know. What are your spots? Let us know in the comments. Maybe drop a Google pin. Yeah. And uh, let's share the love, everybody. Well, we're going to continue in our series of John. And so we're actually going to pass it off right now to Pastor Lisa. Good morning. Well, where are my puzzlers at? I remember before Christmas in our community group, we had quite a long conversation about puzzles. So if you were a puzzle person, leave it down below in the comments. I would love to hear what puzzle you're working on right now. I have a love-hate relationship with puzzles, mostly because I tend to bite off more than I can chew. I tend to overestimate uh, my capability with puzzles. And once I'm in, I'm in. Like there is no quitting happening in the Mitchell household. And so I love to get started and then halfway through, I'm like, I just want this puzzle to be done. But one type of puzzle that I have really enjoyed finding lately are mystery puzzles. If you don't know what that is, just do a Google search. But basically you're given this like little novella of a story and then you create this puzzle with no picture to reference. And in that puzzle are all of the clues to help you solve that mystery. And I really love these mystery puzzles. Well, today we are going to continue on in John. We're going to continue on with the passage that Pastor Lucas started last week. And we're going to be given a couple more pieces of this puzzle of who Jesus is that kind of fill in some gaps and create, without a picture of reference, create more of this holistic picture that we have been given throughout history. And we're going to be talking about that in just a second. So right now, turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 1 verses 29 to 34. John 1 verses 29 to 34. And if you don't have a Bible, you can just head over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And we would love to get you one, either a paper Bible if you're in the Powell River region, or there are um, some links to the app stores on both Android and iOS that you can get the version Bible app right there. So John 1 verses 29 to 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Or if you're reading from a different translation, maybe it says that this is the Son of God. Well, let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning that we are able to dive deep into your word and that your word is true. I thank you that 
Um, not only do we have these written words, but we have the Spirit of Truth. Holy Spirit, you are with us and you reveal truth to us. I thank you that you are constantly pointing our spirits back to Jesus, that you are introducing us to him and to the fullness of him as we look throughout all of scripture and how it all points to Jesus. So this morning, as we just add these two pieces from John's uh, testimony to what we have already picked up throughout the the entirety of your word, Spirit of Truth, would you reveal Jesus to us? And as always, would you allow the things just said in my own spirit just to float away? But would you, Spirit of Truth, would you speak to each of us individually as you are so faithful to do? In your precious name, amen. Well, from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world, remember Adam and Eve ate from the apple, sin entered the world, the relationship with God was broken, how they have to leave the perfection of Eden. So from that moment, God promises a savior. God promises um, this restoration of relationship between perfect God and now imperfect humanity. He promises one who's going to come to make a way to restore this relationship, who's going to redeem everything that's been taken in this moment when sin enters the world. And since that moment in the Garden of Eden, God started leaving these puzzle pieces all through history that when put together would create this perfect picture of Jesus that would all point towards Jesus. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke his intention through the law. He guided Israel and all throughout it, he was laying down piece after piece after piece that would reveal Jesus as our Messiah, as the savior that had been promised so long ago in that garden of Eden. And we have the beauty of hindsight, which means that we are able to look back and see how all of those puzzle pieces fit. But if we were walking there with John the Baptist on that day, these are two brand new pieces of the puzzle that have been placed down for us that are gonna connect to show us who Jesus really is. Do you remember the focus of John's gospel? We talked about it way back at the start of this series. It's found in John 20 verse 31 and that says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, not by believing you may have life in his name. So we're gonna look closer through this lens of being convinced that Jesus is God and being convinced that the only way to have true life is found in the person of Jesus. And we're gonna look at this testimony of John the Baptist this morning together through that lens of Jesus as our Messiah, our Redeemer, and our Savior. So we're gonna jump around and we're not gonna read it from top to bottom. In fact, we're actually gonna go halfway down and read that first. And that's this baptism account that John is telling us. And if you want to read it in its entirety, you can do that in Matthew 3. You can read the whole thing. But here we're hearing John's words of remembrance about that moment in um, Matthew 3. 
and he kind of uses some cryptic phrases in it as we're going to look and it kind of is like, well, why is this such an important part of this conversation? It seems like this conversation with John the Baptist was pretty long um, and we're getting like snippets of it. So why this part? Why should this one be documented for future generations, us included? Well, this was a critical moment for our understanding of the Trinity or the triune God. And we believe that God is Trinity, that he is three in one. He's three distinct persons in one perfect God or the Godhead, as we sometimes refer to him as. And we believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And in this moment right here in this baptism of Jesus, in Matthew 3 and here in John 1, we see the triune God. We see all three persons of the Trinity. And this is really important for our theology. And it's a really important moment as this huge puzzle piece gets laid in to identify Jesus as our Redeemer and our Messiah. And so in this moment, in this baptism, what happens is that Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he asks to be baptized. And so as John does that, there's a voice that calls out from heaven and this um, like spirit like a dove that descends, descends on Jesus's shoulder. And it's this crystal clear moment to all that would have been there that Jesus is no ordinary man. That there's something incredible happening here. And so we have God the Father, remember three in one, God the Father speaking in this loud voice. You've got the Spirit descending as a dove. Then we have God the Son now identified in Jesus. And there was really only one explanation in this moment, that God was declaring himself in the person of Jesus. Remember, John's purpose is to convince us of the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is fully God. And this um, gospel, the goal of it is to reveal that to us, that Jesus wasn't just a good man, that he didn't just do miraculous things, but he himself was God. And so this account, this moment is incredibly valuable. See, it's the first time apart from the creation narrative that uh, we could argue no one really witnessed, where we see all three persons of the Trinity, not just referenced in the Hebrew or Greek language, but we actually see them together. And so it's so critical to us. And, and it's critical because, you know, as we look again at Jesus being fully God and being convinced of it, you know, oftentimes we can just say it was just people who were so convinced of who Jesus was that they declared him God. So in that case, what sets Jesus apart from all of the other people or all of the other ideas that humans have created over the ages that we've just been so convinced that we create a God? What makes it different? And this is an account of people being so inspired and impressed with Jesus that they declare him to be 
divine, but rather it's humanity being present at an announcement that this is God by God. There's no explanation of human intervention. There was no way that we could have orchestrated this or that in the first century they could have orchestrated this moment. This was God declaring himself to the humanity present, to the people present. Let me read that to you again in John 1, 32 to 34. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In that moment, John recognized the deity of Jesus. Now this is a cryptic phrase for John to utter. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I mean, John and Jesus are cousins. And we're going to see um, in the verses preceding how John says that the one who came after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And this, again, is a cryptic phrase because John is older than Jesus by a few months. And there's no way that they would have been strangers to each other. And so why would, G would John say of Jesus, I myself did not know him. This wasn't an introduction moment of saying, oh, Jesus, I think we're cousins. Hey, nice to meet you. This was a moment of introduction, a deep spirit introduction of the realization that the person standing before him was not just any man seeking to devote his life to God, but that the man standing before him was God himself. And in that moment, the spirit of John was awakened to this truth. And he declares the truth of who Jesus is. That he is the son of God, that he is God's chosen one, that he himself is God. The three persons in one Godhead, that he is deity. And I find when I'm puzzling, we're going to go back to the puzzle, that I can have a whole bunch of different like sections that I'm, I'm putting together. And there seems to be one key piece that brings all of my work together. And once I find that key piece, it's just like everything all of a sudden clicks and the tides turn and my frustration with, I have no clue what this puzzle is supposed to look like, all of a sudden starts to fit and it all kind of works. This right here is the piece that brings all the others together. Jesus is God. He's a part of that Trinity. He's one of the three persons in the one Godhead, and he is announced as God by God, not just by humans who were impressed by him. 
And just like John, when that peace clicks in our spirit, when we recognize that, when we come face to face because of the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, awakening our spirits to the reality that this Jesus that we talk about wasn't just a good man who did good things, that he wasn't just a skilled teacher who gave us um, a good moral instruction book on how to live a moral life, but that he himself was deity, that he is fully God, that he is God, then everything else clicks. And just like John the Baptist looked at him with fresh eyes, that he now saw him and could testify that Jesus is God, when the Holy Spirit awakens us to that realization of who Jesus is, we too can see with new eyes and we can declare with confidence that Jesus is God. And when our spirits recognize that, when this key piece gets laid in, all the other pieces of the puzzle fit. All of the things that we see in Old Testament as God's been laying out those puzzle pieces throughout history, with that key piece that Jesus is God, they all come together. Everything hinges on this one truth. Jesus is God. And because he is, we can move backwards to the top of this section of scripture. And I want to just bring you back to John's goal again in John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. I hope that we've got that piece from this section with the baptism. And now, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I actually have a secret goal. And my secret goal is that by the end of this series in John, that you will have memorized John 20, 31, because it's such a great verse. It's such an amazing verse. And this morning, I want us to just be convinced now that life happens because of the Lamb of God. So John 1, 29 to 31. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I want you to think back to 2020 if you can. Um, it might be blocked from your memory because, you know, it was 2020 and that's okay if it is. But we went through our series in Hebrews in 2020. And I know we talked a lot about Jesus as our atoning sacrifice. We talked a lot about Jesus as the Passover lamb. And how once and for all, Jesus took the punishment that we were supposed to endure and he took that on himself and he instead um, freed us from it through his mercy and grace and this is absolutely still true but I thought it was really really interesting because when I was reading this on the surface level that's where my mind went my mind almost went forward my mind went to the cross my mind went to Jesus as our Passover lamb but do you know what a lot of theologians really don't believe that that's true. What they think of this passage is that John, in his understanding, because he has not gone in a time machine forward to 
um, the cross, when Jesus dies on the cross, that he is actually looking backwards to Isaiah 53. And that he, John the Baptist, is connecting the puzzle pieces that he would have had laid out for him as he waited for the Messiah. That now as he looks at Jesus coming before him and the Holy Spirit is awakening in his spirit what is true of him, that all of a sudden for John the puzzle pieces are falling together and everything's clicking and he looks backwards to Isaiah 53. And for us, we can look backwards to look forwards because this is what Isaiah 53 verses four to seven reads. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And now we have hindsight and we can look back on this and all of the pieces click right? We witness this in the narrative that we're going to come up to at the end of this series when Jesus dies on the cross. We know that he did bear our pain and suffering. We know that he was pierced for our transgressions through the nails that went through his hands and feet and the spear through his side. We know that he was crushed and beaten by Roman guards. We knew we know that he took our punishment physically on his own body. We know that he stood silent before his accusers and his prosecutors and he didn't utter a defense because he willingly was walking to the cross for us. That by believing you may have life in his name. Friends, everything hinges on Jesus. And when we believe that Jesus not only is just the Son of God, that he is God, but when we understand that he is our Messiah, the one who went to the cross willingly for us, everything else in scripture clicks into place. John's statement recognizes Jesus as the one that Isaiah way back, <laughs> way, way, way back foretold as the Messiah. This peace that maybe was floating that just didn't make sense all of a sudden clicks and it gives us deeper context to the love of God for us. See, just like the deity of Jesus wasn't because some people were impressed and declared Jesus to be God. The fact that this peace in Isaiah 53 was there so long ago also reveals to us the depth of God's plan the depth of God's love. That Jesus didn't just come and walk on earth and all of a sudden met some people that he just loved so deeply that he went to the cross spontaneously on a whim for them. But that this was a plan that was perfectly orchestrated and perfectly timed. That was so thorough that it could be permanent atonement for my sin and yours. Jesus didn't come on a whim. He came 
to fulfill this puzzle piece in Isaiah, this prophecy in Isaiah, to appease the justice of God and restore the damage that had been done way back in a garden at the beginning of time. He took away our sin by bearing it upon himself, by taking it on himself. He took every punishment we could ever deserve, and we do. He died so that we wouldn't have to. So that by accepting what he did on the cross, we could have life in his name. See, the reality is that we are not perfect. I know that might be a shocker because I seem pretty perfect, but I'm not. Just ask Lucas. And no matter how hard I try, I'm going to fall short. There's no way to measure up to a standard of righteousness and holiness that would allow me to have a relationship with God. No one can. No one can measure up. And so John's goal is not just to convince us of the deity of Jesus, but to remind us of the mission of Jesus. The life that we have when we surrender to him. The life and the freedom that we have when we bow our knee and receive the forgiveness that Jesus wants to freely give us because he loved us enough to die on that cross. To be led like a lamb to the slaughter. And when we are convinced of who Jesus is, everything else is going to make sense. And when we accept the life and the freedom that Jesus offers us, everything else makes sense. All of a sudden, life clicks into place. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that just as somebody who has accepted Jesus herself and, and has just bought into the religious rhetoric. When life is out of place and I kneel and surrender before a God who loves me enough to be intimately involved in all of the details of my life, when I allow him to change the perspective that I have, everything makes sense. Not necessarily because storms stop, but because I trust the one who can silence them with a word. And this morning, if you haven't felt that, if you haven't said yes to a relationship with God, if you haven't let that puzzle piece of Jesus is God and he's the Lamb of God and he's the Messiah and Redeemer and he loves you, click into place in your life. I want to invite you into a moment of recognizing him like John did. And it's not just going to be in your own strength because the Spirit of God has been pursuing you. He's been whispering this truth to you. He has been getting your spirit ready to have that revelation and the introduction to Jesus, who's waiting with open arms to have a relationship with you. And if Jesus is not God, if we're not convinced of that, because the Spirit of God awakens that revelation, within us, then you know what? None of this matters. It's fine. Like, we'll just, <laughs> there's no point being on this stream. We'll just all go home or I'll go home. You're probably already home. 
If Jesus isn't God, if that peace isn't there, then it means that everything that he did on the cross, it doesn't matter. He was just another temporary sacrifice. But when that peace clicks in our spirit, Spirit and the Spirit of God reveals to us that Jesus is God and he brings us face to face with God, then from that moment we can stand with certainty on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Not that later on we're going to have to find a new sacrifice that like the law, it would just be temporary and it would be momentary and it wouldn't last, but that the Lamb of God in Jesus took away the sins of the world once and for all. We can be convinced of God's deep love for us and we can believe when God says that his mercy will extend to you, extends to me. And if you haven't said yes to that relationship with God, it is so easy. The first step is just to come face to face with who Jesus is. That revelation that Jesus is God. To believe it. And I pray this morning that if you're exploring faith with us, that you would just listen to the voice of the Spirit who wants to reveal Jesus, fully God Jesus, to you. The second is just to come face to face with our need for him. Like I said, none of us are perfect. Doesn't matter how hard we try, we can't be. And that imperfection, the brokenness that we feel, the things that we do that hurt people around us, the things that we do that hurt ourselves, all of those things keep us separated from God and the Bible calls those things sin. And the reality is that there is no way for me to fix that gap. There's no way for imperfect, broken me to have a relationship with perfect and holy God. None. We're doomed except for Jesus. And I think this is where it's really hard. It's one thing to recognize who God is and to recognize who I am and say, yeah, I believe it. You know, I, I come to church and I, I feel something that's bigger than me here. We hear it all the time. Because your spirit can sense God there. It tells us that eternity was written on our hearts. Like God has put something within us to try and find him. And he's constantly pursuing us. So of course, we would recognize at a spirit deep level when he's near. So that part's kind of easy. And you know what? It doesn't take a whole lot to believe that I'm imperfect. I see it every day, moment by moment. Those are fairly easy things. The next step is so much harder to surrender, to bow my knee, to ask for forgiveness and covering for those things that I've done wrong. That we would have a life in his name. That as I come face to face with God and I recognize my need for him, that he offers me grace and mercy that will cover everything that I've ever done and everything that I could ever do, that he will make a way to mend that relationship with a holy God that isn't dependent on anything that I could strive to do, but is dependent on me constantly turning to him. 
that we have to follow. It's not just a one-time turning to him to say, would you just forgive me now? But it's a constant surrender of laying down those things that I so desperately want in order to pursue the things that God wants. And that is the journey of faith. And that is a hard, narrow way. The great news is that we don't have to do that on our own. We don't have to do it in our own strength. That same spirit of God who reveals Jesus to us, who introduces us face to face, he gives us the strength. He gives us the conviction. He is our helper and our comforter who walks along with us on this journey of faith. And he is the one who makes it possible for us to follow. So this morning, if you want to to choose a relationship with Jesus. If you're ready to recognize him, Jesus as God, to recognize your own imperfection and to choose to allow him to wash all of that away, to forgive you perfectly and wholly so you can have a relationship with God and the next step of following him, I want to pray with you, but before I do, I want to ask you to courageously reach out to us. If you want to choose a relationship with God, like I said, the follow part is the hard part. The journey of faith is a hard journey of surrendering. It is really, really difficult on days. And that's why it's important that you don't try to do it alone. That we do this in community with friends, and family who love us, who will have our back, who will help us on days that we have questions and doubts and, and listen to those things and, and will be our safety net and our accountability when it seems like we're veering off course that will lovingly call us back to that path. So would you reach out if you are saying yes to Jesus this morning? Don't do it alone. We, alone. we would love to partner with you and to walk this journey of faith with you. Nothing would make me happier. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you reveal yourself in the word. That Jesus, you reveal that you are our Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just because you were a good man, but because you are God. And as God, your sacrifice on the cross is the only thing that could permanently atone for our brokenness. I thank you that you made a way for us to have relationship with you. So I pray right now for, for those on the other end of this computer screen who are reaching out to choose you. I thank you that it is so easy that you offer grace freely. You offer forgiveness freely. And so right now, as you wash them clean, we rejoice. We celebrate with them. We celebrate that one who is lost has been found, as it says in Isaiah. And so, Lord, we just thank you for their life. And we just pray right now that you would put a hedge of protection around them, that you would speak to them so clearly. And as they take these next steps down this path of faith, that they wouldn't do it alone, but that you would, in boldness, help them to reach out, that they could walk through this with community. 
God, I just pray for those of us that have known you for a long time. And maybe the shine has worn off. I mean, we've heard this over and over and over again. We know that you're God. We know that you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But would you convince us once again of the power that is found in the revelation and the recognition of who you really are? In those places where we're tempted to just treat you as, as someone that we're just impressed with. Would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for treating you lightly? Would you convince us once again of the power that's found in your name? Jesus. Jesus, fully God, fully man. The name above all names. Would you convince us once again that you are the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and that if this morning we're allowing there to be distance between us, that you died for that too. That you never stop offering grace upon grace. We love you. Thank you that you continuously reveal yourself to us. In your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for being with us. I'm going to pass it back to Pastors Lucas and Marcus to finish off the rest of our time. Well, what a what a great moment to explore in the book of John. Like, mm -hmm. he, he really does seem obsessed with this idea of um, causing us to think very thoughtfully about who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And either Jesus is who john describes him to me to be which means everything or or he's not which which means it means nothing and that is the tension and that is the exploration each of us uh get to take when it comes to this idea of exploring faith in jesus and what that means and so we hope that you continue this journey well next week we are going to be partaking in communion together as community of believers. And so we're excited about that, but we wanted to just give you the heads up so you can be prepared for that in your homes and with your families. And so whatever supplies you need to get, you can get crackers or uh, some grape juice or, or some Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't know, whatever you want to use. But we do want to just take a moment together at, at the same time and there's just a, a sense of unity and community when it comes to communion and celebrating all that Jesus has done for us. And so that is going to be next Sunday. Yeah. And then if you want to partner with what we're doing here at Evangel, whether that's online or uh, in our community, we would love for you to do that. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, it will give you all the information you need to know in order to do that. But thanks so much for joining us as we piece some of those uh, puzzle pieces together uh, as we journey in faith and we'll see you next week. See you guys.